Ephesians 6, 13 to 20. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. The Lord bless the reading of his word. Today, one other thing that's going to change other than the stage you're looking at is uh, we're going to have, uh, we have a guest speaker today, which you can see by looking at your bulletin. And uh, our speaker this morning is Timon Kitts, and Timon is from Holland, and he's going to preach in English. And uh, so he has my admiration already. Uh, so uh, anyway, he is a pastor in Holland. Our connection with him is he's the brother of Tessa, and uh, so he's here for a week just checking out the whole Bonaire thing. Apparently it's hot here, according to his report. It's, it's hot. And uh, so we're, we're very thankful uh, for that, and I'm looking very much, I'm looking forward very much to uh, what he's going to share with us about the Lord's Prayer uh, from the book of Matthew this morning. Uh, Timon, as I mentioned, is a pastor, and I'm not going to try to pronounce in Dutch the name of the church, so I'm just going to call it the Evangelical uh, Congregation, Joshua. This is how we say this in English, the Evangelical Congregation, Joshua, except in America we probably put Joshua first because we do all the words out of order. So anyway, uh, he's serving there. He also teaches uh, uh, world religions and Christianity in a, in a local high school there in Dordrecht, where he lives. He's married. He has a wife and three kids. Did I count right? One, two, three. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so uh, uh, he's here all by himself, uh, but... Uh, I'm sure we'll see them at some point in the future as well. So uh, after we receive the offering, he will come and share the word with us today, and we're very grateful for that. Timon, thank you. Good morning. Before we turn to the scripture, I want to say something about my English and about my accent. Because uh, five years ago, I was teaching in Ethiopia, um, with a very strong Dutch accent and very poor English grammar. But at the end, some of the Ethiopian pastors came to me and they thanked me 
because they had British speakers, Australian preachers, and they couldn't understand them. And they said, we were so happy that your English is as bad as ours. <laughs> and that you use simple words because we can follow you. So, I hope you can understand me today as well. And I want to read from Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. where Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. This prayer is meant for his disciples. And he said, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Who has ever prayed this prayer? Who has never prayed to our Father? No, it cannot be. Huh? We all know the Our Father. And in Holland, um, we pray it before a meal, and at some families, the Our Father, we pray it together. Um, we pray it at a funeral. We pray it, we pray it because everyone knows it. You don't need to seek for words. Everyone knows the Our Father. But I think it's not about the prayer, because you can pray this prayer in 20 seconds, 30 seconds, and think superstitious about it, like I prayed to our Father and now I did my prayer job for today, and I can go surfing. But Jesus is teaching us how to pray. He's not describing, it's not a prescription how to pray, like pray always to our Father. But this is the perfect prayer because it has all the ingredients that we need for our prayer life. It teaches us something about God. It teaches us something about Jesus. And it teaches us something about the kingdom of God. So that's why when you look at your outline, you can see that in the Our Father, Everything we need to know about God, to trust Him, is in this prayer. And that's why I want to walk through this prayer with you. And this prayer has been prayed for like 2,000 years. It has strengthened the church for 2,000 years. But not as a superstitious prayer, like we pray to our Father and then we are gone. But this is a prayer that hundreds of thousands of Christians... Pray through every ingredient that Jesus gave us in the Our Father about Himself, about the Lord. And that's why I want to walk through all the ingredients of the Our Father today with you. So let's start with the beginning. 
Jesus is with his disciples. It's the Sermon on the Mount, but it says at Matthew 5, when he sat down, his disciples came to him. So this is a prayer for people that know the Lord Jesus, that know our Heavenly Father. It's a prayer for insiders of the kingdom of God. Of course, the world knows this prayer too, but they don't experience the depth of this prayer because it's a relational prayer. And the first thing Jesus teaches us about God is that he is our father. Well, let's think about that. Our father. The Jews always prayed with our heavenly king, not our heavenly father. Oh, they called him sometimes the father of Israel, but not our or mine father like Jesus did. I teach world religions, also about Islam. And in Islam, you have 99 names and descriptions for Allah. The mighty one, the gracious one, the compassionate one, the loving one, the all-knowing one. But they don't have the word Father. Because they say God is too great, God is too transcendent to call him Father. He is the creator and we are his creatures, but he is not our father. But Jesus taught us that the essence of the being of God is being a father. When you introduce yourself, this is, this is really what ha what's happening. Psychologists did uh, surveys about this. When a woman introduces herself, she starts with, I'm a mother of three kids, I'm married, and I have a job. A man, most of the time, starts with, I'm a lawyer, I'm an artist, and I have also a wife and three kids. We always start with what we are doing, but not with who we are. God is the creator of the universe, but before he was the creator, of the universe, he already was eternal father. When we want to know something about God, we need to know, first of all, he is father. And in this prayer, we also see something of the mission of God. Because Jesus came to this earth as the son of God. Why? So that we can become children of God. And there's no higher calling in life than being a child of God. And in this prayer, Jesus puts our relationship with God in the relationship of a father and a child. And Paul teaches us that's the spirit who cries in our heart, Abba, Father. It's a work of the Holy Spirit in us when we can call God our Father. And because we can call Him our Father, we come to Him not as beggars, but as 
children. We can call him father. Actually, our father, oh wow, we can already preach about these two words for hundreds of hours because it's so rich, so important, so lovely that God, the great God, the master of the universe, calls us his children, our father. But he is not our daddy. I um, took some pictures yesterday, and my eight-year-old daughter, she said, what is daddy wearing? What's going on with him? Why is he doing that in Bonaire? We, especially Dutch fathers, have different relationships with, with children than in ancient Israel. We teach our children to speak out for themselves, and they're quite good in that. <laughs> Sometimes too good. And our kids know how to say, ah, oh, daddy, please, ah, oh, daddy, daddy, can you pay for me, please, ah, oh, daddy, I, I want this so bad. Oh, daddy, 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 why do you do that? But that is not our relationship with our father. He's not our daddy. It's not about us. We are his beloved children. And he is our father, but he is our father in heaven. So he's not like an earthly father that we can pull on his jacket and say, can you pay for me? It's not our father that we can demand to do things for us. I have to buy us a new bicycle. He is the Father who is in heaven. It's about Him. The great God, where all the angels bow for, He is our Father. So we must also come to Him with boldness because we are His beloved children, but also with respect because He is the Father who is in heaven. He is the creator of the universe. And that's why Jesus says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's about the sanctification of his name. We exist to glorify him. And that's why I like a worship service like this. And when I hear the song in Papia Mensa, I'm thinking, wow, wonderful. When we sing like that, you, you feel the joy in the room because... As God's children, we live to glorify Him. And we interact with Him when we glorify Him. We interact with heaven when we glorify the Father. You know why? Because heaven is glorifying the Father all the time. So we join with the angels when we hallow the name of our Father. And then it says, Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is Jesus' program. This is Jesus' mission. This is why Jesus came to the earth to fulfill the will of his Father. And this is the difference between heaven and earth. You know why heaven is heaven? Why is heaven heaven? 
Because every creature in heaven obeys the Lord with joy. When the Lord commands the angels, for example, when the Lord says, Gabriel, I want you to go to the earth to send a message to my people. You think Gabriel will say, well, Lord, it's, uh, I'm busy today. Well, Lord, it's time for me time now. Well, Lord, I'm not sure if, if that's the calling of my life. The angels in heaven are very quick to obey the words of the Lord. There's perfect obedience in heaven because they know He is the creator. He knows what's good for us, for the universe. And that's why heaven is heaven. And that was, that was the thing that Jesus brought to this earth. Obedience of the Father. Because why is earth earth? Why is the earth not like heaven? Why is there so many violence, so much violence, so much striving, so much anger on this planet? Because we say, not your will be done, but my will be done. We don't obey the Father. And that's why we make a mess of this world. And that's what Jesus taught us. The restoration of the world will only come when we start to obey our Heavenly Father. And our salvation began with Jesus who said in the Garden of Gethsemane, Not my will be done, but your will be done. That's why Jesus went to the cross. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when we pray, this is what Jesus teaches us. Sometimes we come with a full heart, with sorrows. Sometimes we come to the Lord and our mind is full with fear. We are thinking about our children. We are thinking about our job. We are thinking about the mess in this world. We are thinking about our own life. But Jesus taught us, start with glorifying the name of the Lord. Start with glorifying your Father. Every prayer needs to start with glorifying the Father. Because you know why? When we do that, we look into heaven and we see who He is, how great He is, how lovely He is, because He loves us, we are His children. And then, when we glorify the name of the Father, and when we focus on who He is, then we can look at the things that are important for us. But first of all, before you do that, Ask what the Lord wants you to do in the circumstances that you live in, in the hardship and the trials that you are experiencing. Lord, I want your will be done, not my will. What is your will in this conflict at my work? 
What is your will in my marriage? What is your will for, for example, a lot of Christians move out to another place and they just buy another house because the other house is nicer than where they used than where they used to live in. But if we do that, have we also asked God, is it your will, is it your guidance to move out? Do you want us to move to another house? Do you want us to lead us in our life? We forgot to ask this question all the time. Isn't it true? And that's why Jesus said, if you pray, pray first to glorify the name of God. Seek his guidance in the circumstances where you are. And then, when you did that, then you can ask God for anything you want. Of course, we can also ask God for our daily bread. He is our Father. We may pray for provision. It's good to pray for provision. But you know what the problem is? Most of us Christians, we only pray for our provision. We only pray for our needs. We only pray for the things that we desire. So Jesus says, put God first. Glorify the Father first. Seek his guidance first. And then you can pray for providence. And that's why he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then give us today our daily bread. Well, he didn't say, give us today the bread that we need for this year. Our daily bread. And he also didn't say, give us today our daily cheesecake. Why bread? Bread is substantial for living. It's the food that we need to stay alive. And Jesus teaches us to ask the Father for our daily bread. And when we do that, for, for us, this, is, this, can, this can sound a little strange because bread, we have enough bread in the refrigerator. We can, we can fill our t- tables with plenty of food. And still, Jesus teaches us to ask the Father for his provision. Why bread and not cheesecake? Cheesecake is expensive in Bonaire. And we are used, especially Western Christians, to a certain lifestyle of luxury that we think is normal, but for the rest of the world, it's not normal. 200 kilometers from Bonaire, there's a country that is very, very poor. People are asking God every day for daily bread because they don't have daily bread. We pray the same prayer, but our tables are full with food. But you know what I learned during the COVID crisis? I don't know how it went here, but in Holland we had those 
press conferences with the prime ministers. And the first press conference had a massive impact. You know what happened? All the people took the cars, went to the supermarket, and after two hours, all the supermarkets were empty. That's the first time that we felt that, whoa, our daily bread <laughs> is something that can be done tomorrow. We started to panic. I also went to the supermarket with my daughter to took some pictures with all the empty shelves. Like this is our uh, memory of the COVID time. But it did something with us and also with us, our, us Christians. We, in Holland we have a word we call it hamsteren. We need to have all the stuff with us because we fear lack. We fear that we won't have any bread. And this is what Jesus is teaching us. We have a heavenly father. And he is taking care for us. He provides for us. And this can sound very controversial, but it's the teaching of Jesus. It's not my teaching. He teaches us that we will always have our bread. Okay, we can experience that we lose our job. We can experience that we decrease in our income and that we decrease in our wealth. That we can't afford two cars with one. Or that it can be hard to budget through the month. But we will always have substantial food to survive. Because we have a father who takes care of us. And that's why sometimes I'm a little bit jealous of Christians living in third world countries. You know, I was in India a couple of years ago. No, we had an Indian preacher in Holland, actually. And in my town, Dordrecht, we have a wonderful hospital. I think it was worth $200 million, something like that. It, it, it looks like a palace. Hey, you almost look like this uh, hospital and you think, like, why am I not ill? I want to get in there. <laughs> they have excellent service. And I had that Indian pastor with me. And we drove by the hospital and he said, what is that? And he said, that's our hospital. He said, wow. He said, in Indian, you don't go to a hospital. You only do go to a hospital when you are about to die. Because the hospital makes it worse in India. He said, you know what we do when someone is ill? We pray and we pray and we pray because we can't afford a doctor. And that's why they experience so much more the provision of God in miracles. Because they have a dependency on the Heavenly Father that we Western Christians don't know. Am I right? And when I see how he prays and how his intimacy with the Father is, I'm like, oh man. Give me something of his faith. Give us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread. And I think this is also for us Western Christians. Martin Luther said, the great reformer, 
This is a very dangerous prayer. Don't pray this if you are not willing to provide in other people's needs. So if you pray for God, give me our daily bread, and you have a plenty a, a table with plenty full of plenty of food, and then someone comes with a need and he doesn't have any food, and you say, Well, that's your problem, this is my table. And then the next day there's an economic crisis and your table is empty. Actually, the Lord says in the Old Testament, don't come to me. Don't come to me if you are not willing to provide for the needs of others. Because the Father will provide in our needs if we are willing to provide in the needs of one another. That's why you see the first church shares everything with one another. Because that's what Jesus taught us. Give us this day our daily bread and a challenge of your brother can be your challenge tomorrow. And that's why Martin Luther said, don't pray this prayer if you're not willing to provide for the needs of others. You know why? Imagine this. Someone has an empty table and he's praying, our Father give us our daily bread. Our Father give us our daily bread. And next door, there's a Christian with a full table and the father wants to fulfill the prayer of this person by letting you share with him. But God can't answer that prayer when we keep everything for ourselves. So that's why when we pray for our daily bread and we know that our refrigerator is full with lovely food, we need to realize that in other parts of the world, and also on this island, there are people who pray as a lifeline to God for daily bread. And what are we doing about it? So this is not only a prayer for ourselves, it's also a mirror from the Father. Okay, I will provide for you, but will you also provide for others? Give us this day our daily bread. And then Jesus teaches this. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. So, this is about something that we need the most. And this is also the reason why Jesus came to this earth. This is also the reason why we can call the God of heaven our Father. It's not natural that we call him our Father. Something happened at the cross. Jesus reconciled our sins at the cross. And because of death, because of Jesus, we are forgiven. And we can go without fear to the throne of our Father and ask for forgiveness. Jesus is laying out this whole program, his whole mission here. This is why he came to earth. So that our Father can forgive our debts. Before Jesus came to this earth, our Father was willing to forgive us. But there was a sacrifice that needed to come. And that's what Jesus did. 
And that's why you see the gospel also in this prayer. And that's why we also have a reason, always have a reason to be thankful to God. Because our Father who gives us our sins, our debts, because of Jesus. So, in this prayer, you see also the need to restore our relationship with God. And every day, sometimes, every day, something happens that is not pleasing to the Father. Every day, we need forgiveness. But you know, the good news is, every day we can receive forgiveness because God is our Father, we are His children, and Jesus redeemed us at the cross. And in the heart of this prayer, Jesus brings us to His own mission to bring forgiveness. And that's why we have always a reason to be thankful. Because if we look into the mirror, we know there is always something that is not that pleasing to the Father. But because of Jesus, we are transformed in His beloved child. So we are dependent on the mercy of God. But this is what Jesus also teaches us. When Jesus died at the cross, He didn't only reconcile us to the Father and forgive our sins, he also forgive the sins of your brother and of your sister and of all the people that bother you, all the people that hurt you. And this is the heart of the gospel. Jesus didn't only reconcile us with the Father, He also reconciled us with one another. The cross it's not always only for our vertical relation with God. It's also for our horizontal... Oh, this is a difficult word for me. Horizontal relation <laughs> with one another. And that's why God wants us to receive His mercy, receive His grace, receive His forgiveness, and then extend it to the people around us. And that's what we need to realize when people hurt us, when people offend us, when people say nasty things about us. And this is not an easy part of this sermon because sometimes people can hurt us so much. Like they hurt Jesus at the cross. But we, knew, we need to realize that everything somebody did to you, said to you, did to hurt you, is reconciled at the same cross where all your sins are forgiven. And that's why it's so important to forgive one another. Because also when you are a church, there's always, with broken people, something to forgive. But three Christians in a church, and in one hour there is a need to forgiveness. Or is that only in Holland? And that's why it's so important that we realize where we come from, who we are, that we are God's children, and that our Heavenly Father took all of our sins and put it on the cross. And Jesus died there 
but he also took all the sins that someone did to you, and Jesus died also for that. So when we forgive somebody, it's not like, okay, let's forget about it, and, and the guilt is still there, and I swallow it, and, and it hurts me, and it kills me from the inside. Forgiveness is not something that kills us, but it liberates us because we go back to the heart of the gospel and then we know I am forgiven. And because I am forgiven and I'm a child of God, I am not a victim of what that guy or that girl did to me. I have the power to forgive because I am God's beloved child. But when we are grudging to one another and we hold like a bill with all the sins that someone did to us, we didn't understand the gospel. Because we have been forgiven. And Jesus said, if you know that you are forgiven, it must be natural for you, because you are gracious to the Father, grateful to the Father, to forgive others too. So that's why in prayer it's so important not only to ask God, God, Will you forgive me for doing this or doing that or thinking this or thinking that? And that's the prayer that I pray the most. But it's also good to say, God, this guy did something to me that wasn't nice. But please make sure that you, can that you cancel his debt by Jesus Christ. Because I don't want you to hold him accountable. I want his sins be forgiven by Jesus like you forgave my sins. When we pray like that, then we are really redeemed children of God. There is so much power in our Father. And this is why Jesus put this, puts this prayer first. And then he starts about the spiritual war around us. Because if we don't teach, if we don't learn how to forgive one another... We can't resist the temptations of the devil. We can't put on the full armor of God. And that's why Jesus teaches us first to forgive us our debts, to find redemption in God, in our Father, reconciliations of our sins, and to extend the mercy of the Father to the people that hurt us. And if you do that, then you put on the full armor of God, and then you can resist the temptation. Of the devil. But this is what Jesus told us. We can't overcome the devil by ourselves. We need him. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is also something that brings us back to the heart of the gospel. The gospel is not only about the reconciliation of sins, it's also Jesus defeating the works of the enemy. It's also Jesus triumphing over Satan. So actually, everything in the Our Father has been fulfilled by Jesus. But there's also something for our daily need of protection of our Father that's also in this prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. When you pray this, you are aware that there's also a spiritual battle around you. That our battle is not against flesh and blood. That's why we need to forgive one another, because our battle is not against flesh and blood. But we also need the protection of our Heavenly Father. 
And we have a very strong and powerful enemy. But Jesus is stronger. And we need him to resist the devil. And I want to look at you with, uh, I want to look with you at Luke 22. Before Jesus went to the cross, it was during the Last Supper. He was talking about his death. And his disciples were having an argument about who's the most important one in the kingdom of God. Can you imagine the contrast? Jesus was going to the cross. And they were like fighting with one another. Like, I'm more important than him. And then Jesus said this about Simon. Verse 31. Simon... Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Well, what was happening with Peter? There was not only a spiritual warfare around Jesus. And when Jesus in Gethsemane said, not my will, but your will be done. He won the battle. But there was also a huge spiritual warfare around his disciples. And especially around Peter. Now we all know the story. Peter denied his Lord three times. You know why? Because he came into a storm of temptation. We have our daily temptations. We have a flesh. We have a weak flesh. We have the temptations of the world, and we have the devil who gives us thoughts that are not from the Lord, but attach in us because of our flesh. And that's a dangerous thing. We have our daily temptations, but sometimes we come into a storm of temptation. And you know what's the difference between the daily temptations and a storm of temptation? Peter get caught in a storm of temptation. Because in a storm of temptation, all factors that make us sin are conspiring against us. In our flesh, in the world, and in the heavenly realm. The, the demonic powers. So this is what happened to Peter. When the Lord was brought before the Jewish authorities, Peter got tempted to deny the Lord because in his heart there was a fear of man. And at the moment when the, the heat, the pressure was, the, was unbearable for Peter, he fell. And the Lord knew that he would fall. Because this storm of temptation, Peter couldn't handle this. But do you know that before this happened, Satan wanted more. Satan wanted to crush Peter. Satan wanted to tempt Peter so badly that he never could get up again. And Jesus stood before that and said, no way, this is not going to happen. I'm protecting my disciple. I'm not allowing you to do that. I prayed for you, Peter, to my heavenly father. 
And that's why Peter could be restored. Peter could learn from his mistakes. Peter could find forgiveness again. And Peter could overcome his fear of man because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now why am I telling this? Why is Jesus teaching us to pray to the Father, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil? Because there are demonic plans against you and against me that are so bad that when we fall into temptation, the devil wants us to never get up again. And in his power, he can do so much things that we can bear. But you know what the Bible also teaches us? This thing that Jesus did, he prayed for Simon. He's doing the same for us now in heaven as our heavenly priest. And we need Jesus to intercede for us. We need the Father to protect us. The Father knows where we are weak. The Father knows where we stumble. The Father knows when we can come into the snares of sin and temptation. And He also knows how to protect us, how to get us out. And that's why we need to know that we are weak. We need to know that we are vulnerable. And we need to know that we need the protection of our Lord Jesus. And we need to pray to our Father. Like, this is like a preemptive strike. That He will show His light on the temptations that, that, that come into us. That He will guide us. That we know, okay, if this is going to happen, if I come in this circumstance, then it will be a perfect storm of temptation. So I need to make sure that I will not be with that woman in the room. For example. But we need to pray that in advance to Jesus, to the Father. Because we are weak. And we need our Father to protect us and to help us see where the temptations are. And that's what Jesus taught us. Wow. That's the Our Father. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We need the Lord's help to recognize and to resist temptation. And that's why you see the same pattern in James chapter 4. This is the last scripture that I read. Don't worry. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. But you can't resist the devil if you don't submit yourself to God. You can't submit when you think, I can do it on my own. We need the Lord. We need to be humble. We need to ask him, deliver us from evil. And then we can recognize and resist the temptation because we know that the Lord is leading us out of evil and not into evil. So if we pray this, we pray to glorify the name of God, to seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the guidance of our Father. We pray for our provision. We pray for reconciliation with God to take away everything that hinders us from experiencing the love of God. And we pray to extend the mercy of God to others. And when we do that, then we can also put on our spiritual armor and ask the Father to protect us so that we can resist the temptations of the devil.
So let's stand together. And pray this prayer. You know what's so wonderful about uh, our Father? It's a mind map. I really believe Jesus taught us this as a mind map, so that if we pray this, we know, oh, okay, we need to, okay, okay. We need to start glorifying the Lord. We need to seek the guidance of the Lord. And then we can ask for provision. We need His forgiveness. We need to forgive one another. And then the Father can help us to resist the devil. That's what Jesus taught us. And you can pray this prayer in 20 seconds. You can pray this prayer in a minute. But you can also spend hours of hours in this prayer. That's what Martin Luther did. He used this prayer as a structure for his devotions every day. So as a congregation, let's go through this prayer together. As an adventure with our Heavenly Father. So let's open our hands. And let's come with boldness to the throne of God where our Father is seated. And our Heavenly Father, when we come to your throne, we glorify your holy name. We are thankful that we are your beloved children. You are so great. You are so lovely. You are holy. You are righteous. There is no one like you. Father, we adore you. Glorify your holy name. And glorify your holy name in us. Help us to seek your will. Help us by your Holy Spirit to obey you. Father, I pray for all of us. Guide us through this week. We don't want to do our own thing. We need your guidance. We want your will be done in our life, Lord. Father, learn us how to obey you like Jesus obeyed you. Our Heavenly Father, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Father, we also come to you with our sorrows, with our needs, with our lacks. And we bring them to your throne. And you can whisper all these things to your Father now. He knows what you need. He is the provider. Maybe you need a job, just ask him. Maybe you are longing for a partner. You can ask him freely. Maybe you are desiring to be restored from sickness. Just ask him. He is our Heavenly Father. He is our provider. Maybe your biggest prayer is that your children will be saved. Just ask him. Just ask him. He is the provider. He is the Savior. 
Let's take a moment to personalize our prayer to the Father. Father, give us today our daily bread. And Father, we also need your forgiveness of our sins. And if you need to whisper something to the Father, something that harms your relationship with Him, just Ask for his forgiveness. He is willing to give it because of Jesus. Father, forgive us. Forgive us, Father. We need your forgiveness. We need your forgiveness, Father. Just whisper. Between you and God, between you and the Father, what you need forgiveness for? The Father, as our children, we are also willing to extend your mercy to others. But this can hurt us so much. And that's why I ask you, is there someone, maybe in the room, or maybe at home, or maybe at work, maybe in our family, that we need to forgive? And even when we were not aware of it, please show us through the Holy Spirit. Who we need to forgive, to extend your mercy to others. And most of the time, the hardest name that come in, comes in, the, the, the name that hurts you the most, is the one that you need to forgive the most. Father, give us your grace and give us your mercy. Help us to forgive. Help us to forgive like Jesus forgave us. Father, help us to see that we are your forgiven children, that we are your beloved children. And give us the power through the Holy Spirit to extend your mercy to the ones that hurt us. Father, help us to forgive one another. Father, we are aware that we live in a spiritual battleground and that we have a mighty enemy. But you are so much greater, you are so much stronger. All authority in heaven and earth is in you, Christ Jesus. And Father, deliver us from evil. Lead us not into a storm of temptation. Make us aware of the things that are dangerous to us. Help us, Lord. And Lord Jesus, like you prayed for Peter, pray for us too. Intervene for us. As our high priest. 
so that the devil can't have us. Father, we submit ourselves to you. Help us and give us the power to resist the devil in Jesus' name. So you can pray this prayer at home in the next days, the next months. But let's finish together saying again these beautiful words. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.